0: we were together here on New Hope Radio, we noted a simple breakdown of the Christian life. Three important aspects of the Christian way of life. And if we really get these three down, things will always turn out better. We talked about the Bible. What is the Bible? The canon of Scripture. God's rule for life. Okay, that's first and foremost. Above everything, God's rule for life, his word. Then we talked about the battle, you know, those times of tribulation in our lives. And what is that? Our sanctification. And then the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. It's the basis of our real joy. See, these three things are very important. We've got to get away from the the fleshly stuff that is being preached, all about prosperity and wellness. And, you know, let's get real. The battle is our sanctification. The battle is that which conforms us to the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit is our stabilizer. And he provides joy for us, not based on outward circumstances, but based on the Bible that's in our heart. See, the more of the Word of God that's in our heart, the more stable we can become. And by the way, when we're reading through this epistle to the Thessalonians, and we got this because they received the Word of God in tribulation with joy. Tribulation and joy can go together. And it doesn't mean you're crazy. It means you're godly. So I'd encourage you really focus on those three aspects of the Christian way of life. Now we move on through the letter. We come to an aspect of the letter that I call the value of a good reputation. Paul's going to deal with that. The value of a good reputation. Let's think about that for a second. Think about your legacy. Are you concerned about your legacy? What's a legacy? A legacy is how you'll be remembered after you're gone. Now, what's a reputation? A reputation is how you're remembered while you're alive. Okay? So, do those things matter? I would venture to say that whatever reputation you have while you're alive will be the legacy that you leave after you're gone. So, I wonder how many people live with that thought in mind, what people will think of them. So, let's pick it up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, <clears throat> and Paul is commending the Thessalonian Christians because they're doing some good stuff. It says, and he's talking about other churches, for they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you. We're going to see, you know, when you do good things, word gets around. Just like when you do bad things, word gets around. And when you do good things, word gets around. Okay? So, they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and a true God. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Now, in these verses, Paul is actually dealing with two topics. Topic number one, the value of a good reputation, verse 9. And then he's talking about the rapture of the church in verse 10. Well, in our time together today, we're going to deal with the value of a good reputation. Okay? But it's important that you understand the rapture of the church. As well, that can be another message. So back in verse 9. They themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and a true God. Now, who are these people that Paul is talking about when he said, for they themselves? Well, remember last time we were together? We talked about how they were an example to the churches and Macedonia and Achaia. Well, there they are again. And many people believe that Paul had come into contact with them. And, you know, like I said, word gets around. Like we said, the Thessalonian church had become a model for other churches. And remember we said, how about if our churches were models too? How cool would that be? If your church and my church were models in our own cities, in our own territories, and people, we did things so well for God that people would come and learn, and then the body of Christ would grow, and, oh, good things would happen. That'd be great. So what they're doing, it says that they're reporting on you guys. They're reporting about us and what kind of reputation we had with you. Now, it's interesting. The word report... In the Greek tense, means that they kept on talking. It wasn't just, oh yeah, did you hear about that church? No, it was like the topic of the day. They kept on talking about it. They couldn't stop talking about it. You know, it's like if you go to a restaurant and, and you have a meal that's out of sight, you can't stop talking about it. Or maybe you saw a show and it was so good, you can't stop talking about it. Or your this message was so great, you can't stop talking about it. So that's what's going on here. They can't stop talking about these Thessalonians. These people, man, they really got it together. Now, the contemporary English version says, everyone is talking about how you welcomed us and how you turned away from idols to serve the true and living God. So that makes it a little more personal. And I believe this is why they had a reputation of being such a loving and effective church. Because they turned to God. From idols. You know, idols were very big in those days. Oh yeah, they're big today too. In certain countries. Actually, you're going to see they're big in America too. But these people turned from idols. Because they knew they were dead. And they found God. Who's alive. Oh, they found the one true God. And he's alive. The NIV Bible notes three marks of true conversion. See, that's why I like all translations. I mean, some, they're a little watery, and you got to know what you're reading. Sometimes they do change the thought a little bit, so you've got to be on your guard. But the New American Standard, a—that's a, that's a word-for-word translation. NIV is a thought-for-thought translation. So, you know, there are different reasons why these Bibles read... The way they do, the living translation. I really don't have any use for that at all. I still love the King James. That's a great Bible, a first English Bible. Okay? So, but when I read the NIV, it notes three marks of true conversion. Number one, turning from idols, number two, serving God, and number three, waiting for Christ to return. Three marks of true conversion. Turn from idols, serve God, wait for the return of Christ. So, let's talk about these three, because I like to go nice and slow and keep it simple. The object is learning. Okay. So, what did it mean when he said that they turned from idols? Idolatry was something God always warned his people about. When God gave the Ten Commandments, the first one He gave was, it's in Exodus 20, verse 2, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the water. Or under the earth. Now, why would God say that? Because he knows people. Oh, yeah, I am mean, People will worship anything. They do it today. They do it today. And this was spoken with regard to the Egyptian culture. The Israelites were brought out of that culture. They were delivered. So God is saying, listen, I'm bringing you out, but I don't want you bringing it with you. Don't take what they did in Egypt with you out of Egypt. Because what they're doing, that's wrong. Now, today we feel ourselves, you know, very civilized and very sophisticated. But we have our own culture of idolatry. Sometimes it's a person's career. They put everything on the line for their career. Their God, their family. Sometimes it's a person's hobby. Sometimes it's another person. Yeah, they'll worship that person. And you know what the big one is? Self. Self. We can become our own object of idolatry when we make life all about us. It's how we want it to be. How we want it to go. It's how I feel I should be treated. And it's me, 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 I, 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 I. And we become a walking idol of ourselves. And it's very contrary to the Christian way of life. So that's number one. They had a reputation for turning from idolatry to God. And then the second thing then, when they turned to God, they found themselves serving God. God. I mean, I'm like, how can you not serve God in some way once you've seen Him? You know, the saying is true. You got to serve somebody. Who's that, Bob Dylan? Did he sing that gospel song? <laughs> you got to serve somebody, right? Everybody's going to serve somebody. Well, our God is a living God, He's alive. And He is the fountain of of life and Jesus said remember that John 738 he who believes in me as the scripture said from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water Wow not little trickles not a little stream rivers of living water Wow so the Thessalonians they were in the service of of he who was alive, rather than that which is dead. And remember, they had to make an adjustment. They were Greeks. They were involved in Greek culture, Greek religion, Greek philosophy, Greek idolatry. And when Paul brought them the gospel, wow, something clicked. And they put away the idols. And they turned to God. And they found themselves... Here it comes, living for God. That's the key, the living for God. Now, let's bring it up to date. God has given us many ways in which we can live for Him, right? Um, individually, we have spiritual gifts and natural talents, right? When you were born physically, you were born with a talent, you're good at something, and when you were born spiritually, God gave you another, it's called a gift, but it's another ability <clears throat> that you didn't have before. And what does that do? It gives you a place on the plan of God. It, ha- it allows you to live for something bigger than you. <clears throat> and you're a blessing to the common good. And you bring glory to God and you earn rewards. Wow, that's what happens when we live in our gifts and talents for the kingdom. All those great things happen. So that's personally. Then corporately, we have ministries that churches have that people can serve in. I want to mention three that we have here at our church, New Hope Christian Church in Swansea Mass. We have three ministries that we began in Togo, West Africa. We started going there maybe like 20 years ago. In the first few years, we noticed some real needs. So we created these ministries to help meet those needs. One is called Love the Children. We noticed that there were many children living on the streets. They didn't have any support, um, weren't going to school, because they had parents that have died, and many many die sadly from AIDS. It was really bad years ago. And as matter of fact, the first family of children we found, their mom was dying of AIDS and their dad was already dead. So we started to support them And when you support the children, they're taken off the street and they're placed with another family, maybe uncle or aunt, who can't afford to take them in. But without financial support, they can take them in. And we give financial support and they can get clothing and medicine. And, you know, even in Togo, you have to pay to go to public school and they have to have a uniform. So the support to love the children goes to each child. They get to go to school. They get to live with an extended family, and the family is blessed, too, because they have some extra money to do what they need to do. So that's Love the Children. That's an incredible ministry. We've got about 60 kids, right? Ah, the first children we did, we sponsored, one went on to be a lawyer. He went to college, and he went to France to get his final degree, and then to come back to Togo, and he's a lawyer today. It's incredible. And how would that have happened? If he didn't get the support from the Love the Children ministry. And if you're interested in something like that, email New Hope Radio, New Hope Radio 7 at gmail.com. We'll send you a brochure. We'll let you know whatever you need to know. And it's an incredible ministry. I sponsor a child and I love it. I think it's great. Then we started another ministry, Clinics of Hope. And we have several clinics throughout the country, probably six, seven, eight, nine. And, um, you know, the, the hospital situation in Togo, West Africa is like almost nil. You have to go down to the city. So we have clinics out in the bush. And we have, of course, Christian staffed with nurses, traveling doctor. And support for clinics of hope pays the rent for the building, provides medicines. And people will come and be treated for pennies, just pennies, just so some of the medicines can be replenished. That's all. And you know what? We get a lot of Muslim women that come to the clinic without their husbands knowing because they wouldn't like it. And they get treated. And then the gospel is shared with them. And there are Bible studies at the clinics. And people are changing. And souls are being saved. It's another awesome ministry, Clinics of Hope. And then the third one we started was Water for Life because we, noted, we noticed water was like, at a minimum, people would walk a mile or two to a brook, and then the brook would be dry. There'd be nothing in it, and they would wait and wait and wait. So we thought, and then we noticed the Muslims were digging wells and villages. But in order to get water from the well, you had to convert to Islam. And I'm like, that's not right. So we started digging wells and villages. And anybody can come and drink from it so what we do is we train up pastors they go into a village they start a church and we dig a well and the people come to church they don't have to go to church they don't want to but the well is for everybody and anybody can come and get all the water that they need and by the way the church is talk about simple it's like four poles with palm leaves on the roof and that's the church and people go and they sit on hard benches for hours, and they take in the Word of God. And there are some places we weren't able to put in wells, so we put in these catch basins on on roofs, especially up in the mountains, and it catches the rainwater, and it stores the water for future use. So, you know, we take it for granted. Oh, turn on the faucet. Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you what. They don't take water for granted. It is a true blessing so why do I mention these things? Well number one to show that as ministries we can really make a difference we can make a difference it cost about ten thousand dollars to put in a well but the beautiful thing is you're guaranteed to hit water that's the thing we used to we used to pay less and many times not hit water so now we have a well drilling company come in and they hit water every time. And so, there's an opportunity for churches to get on board, and then there's an opportunity to show you that, man, there's needs all over the world. So maybe you want to pray and get some people together and help the Love the Children ministry and get these kids off the street, or maybe Clinics of Hope, and let's get these sick people treated. And by the way, if they can't be treated at the clinic, we take them to the hospital, and we pay their way, and we take care of them while they're there, and then Water for life. Oh, man, the water. Oh, do they need water. So you see, turning from idols, serving God, and then the third aspect of a good reputation, waiting for the return of Christ. That's the rapture. The rapture of the church is the next great event of biblical history. And again, it's a teaching everyone should know. It's what we're waiting for. So, when you think about the rapture, you're <clears throat> thinking about Jesus coming back. He's going to take his bride. He's going to take his bride back home. We're going to receive our rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. Then we're going to be presented to Jesus as his bride. We'll be married to Jesus. And then, at the end of the tribulation, we're coming back with Jesus in the second coming on beautiful white horses, The Lord will rid the earth of unbelievers. Those saved in the tribulation will go in. And Jesus will establish his thousand-year millennial kingdom. And we will reign with the Lord as his bride. We have a hopeful future. It's an incredible future. And that's why we want to spread the word. Turn from idols. Turn to God. So let's really work at valuing a good reputation. Remember, a reputation is how they remember you while you're alive. A legacy is how they remember you after you're gone. Don't you want a good one? I do. It's not going to be perfect, I know. There'll be some people saying, oh, yeah, I knew him. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, what a loser he was. <laughs> that's okay. We probably all have some of those. That's all right. So let's do this. Let's work at valuing a good reputation. Personally, get those idols out of your life. Get them out. Don't live for something that's dead. That's going to give you nothing back. And I you know, there's idols, there's shrines. We have we have people that consider themselves Christians in America that have idols. Is that right? I don't think so. I don't think that's right. Because the Bible says, turn from idols. Turn from them. And turn toward God. And when you truly turn toward God, you'll find yourself wanting to serve Him. Because you're going to see Him for who He really is. And I don't mean visibly, physically. Physically. But when he touches your heart, it's like, oh, I want to live for something better. I want to live for something eternal. And while you're serving the living God, you're expecting his return. Oh, he's going to come and get you. What do you want to be doing when Jesus comes in the rapture? What do you want to be doing? You want to be at the casino? Hey, where were you when the rapture came? Oh, I was at the slot machine. Oh, good. Where were you? You want to be helping somebody? Want to be worshiping God? Want to be serving? Wouldn't it be great to be in a good place doing the will of God when the rapture came? I think so. And we talked about serving God corporately. A church can be a model for other churches. It can. It begins with the individuals and then corporately when we all band together great things can be done. And there are great churches all over the country, all over the world. And I thank God for the good churches that are preaching the word and and bringing uh, social justice and meeting the needs of people. Because the gospel, it's a social gospel too. It's not just about the forgiveness of sins, but it's also about taking care of one another's needs. What did James say? If somebody comes to you in need, and they're hungry, and they're in need of clothing, don't say, I'll pray for you. Come on, let's pray. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Let's pray. He says, no, what good is that? They're still hungry and cold. Give them something to eat. Give them something to wear. Take care of them. Show them compassion. Show them that you love them. Show them the love of God as it comes through you. Isn't that our greatest evangelistic tool? When the love of God comes through us, that's true evangelism. Because that's what people understand. See, people understand love. Words, ah, anybody can argue. But love? People understand love. It's, a na- it's an international language. Even your dog understands love. And your cat understands love. And that's the greatest, I believe, the greatest tool to be used for the kingdom of God. Didn't God so love the world that He gave His only begotten Son? Well, it was love that motivated God to do what He did. So we take that same love and we let it be our motivation, our engine to bring glory to God and to help people, and meet people right where they are, because we're blessed. Oh, here in America, yes, we are blessed, and somewhat spoiled, and maybe we have an attitude of entitlement. That's why we need to look around and see what's going on in the rest of the world, and be God's hands and feet and mouth, and be that blessing that people need, because I'll tell you what, people need a blessing. They don't need another car, they don't need another house. They need to know that they're loved. And who better to love them than the people of God? Because the people of God love people with the love of God. Oh, that's so true. It is. It's true. I hope these messages are inspiring, motivating. Just draw you closer to the Lord and let your life reflect them. So while you're alive, people will think well of you. There's a godly person. And when you're gone, they'll remember you. Oh, they made such an impact on my life. I thank God for them. They were just an inspiration for me. That's the thing, just be an inspiration for someone else by being you who walks with God.